everyone. It's your host, Michelle Lee, Editor-in-Chief of Allure. This is a very special episode of the Allure podcast for me because I'm chatting with two of my good friends, fashion icons Prabal Garung and Philip Lim. Born in Singapore and raised in Nepal, Prabal Garung launched his eponymous collection in New York in 2009. Since then, he's dressed some of the world's most influential women, including Michelle Obama and Oprah, to name a few. Today, he's one of the most outspoken voices in fashion, fighting for women's rights, immigrants, LGBTQ rights, and more. Born in Thailand of Chinese descent then raised in California, Philip Lim debuted his brand 3.1 Philip Lim in New York in 2005. Countless accolades later, he's a thought leader on all things fashion and is truly a beacon of light in a sometimes chaotic and judgmental industry. In the past few years, I've gotten a chance to have some really deep conversations with Prabal and Philip about diversity and inclusion in the fashion industry and in culture in general. We go deep in this episode about representation, the Asian American experience, being outspoken as a leader of a brand, skincare, and so much more. This episode is a little longer than usual because, as you can hear, Philip Prabal and I have a lot to say about certain topics, and they are longtime friends and also are hilarious. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Philip Lim and Prabal Garung. So I, I knew as soon as I asked both of you to do this together that it was going to be a really fun one. And before we even started rolling, it's been fun already. Well, <laughs> Michelle, you should have turned it on and captured everything like, from the opening of the door. The only thing that's mi- missing is like soup dumplings, hot pot, you know, like something like, Oh my like, God, right? we'll have to do a part two. Yeah, I think so. Over dinner. Yes, yeah. exactly. So I, I feel so fortunate, I've said this to you both before, that like I feel so lucky to have met you and to known you and... I feel like now I consider you both to be really great friends. So as we've done in like previous episodes of the Lore podcast, like we talk a lot about beauty, but beauty in a really broad way. Mm-hmm. It always ends up talking about like makeup and skincare and other things, but we definitely go pretty deep into representation too. Mm-hmm. And I know we've had a lot of talks about yeah. that, but I always love starting out with how people grew up. And I feel like I know a little bit of both of your stories, but I would love to just have you both talk a little bit about how you grew up. You're both immigrants. Yeah. Yes. And immigrants. how that's actually shaped who you are today. All right. I guess I should start. Go for it. And I'll leave the exciting one yeah. to, with Pablo. Um, <laughs> I grew up literally in um, Orange County, California, um, Southern California, the real OC in between like uh, Westminster and Huntington Beach. And I say those two things because... I think about it now and they really informed the existence of East and West. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, my parents immigrated here. I guess I would be first generation. Literally, they had to leave their prospective countries and leave their lives behind and had the opportunity to arrive in the States and start a new life. And they brought us here for what everyone comes here for as immigrants, opportunity. So I grew up literally um, straddling the cultures of Eastern culture, Chinese household, but also going to school and being around people who look nothing like me. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you, you know, you grow up with that kind of duality and um, polarity. Mm-hmm. That's kind of how I grew up. It's funny, like there's, you don't realize, and we've talked so much, but we really haven't gone into like, hey, where no. were you born? You know, yeah. we don't really get to do yeah. that. So it's really interesting to hear that because there's so much similarity. It's just a geographic, it's just a different place. So I was born in Singapore. I grew up in uh, Nepal and lived in India, London, Australia, and then I came here. I grew up primarily in Nepal and India and in a household that was run by a single mother very close with my siblings. I went to an all-boys British Catholic boarding school where where you're talking about, you know, living in a, let's say, Chinese household, but the outside of your world is looked different, you know. Mm-hmm. Mine, though they 
were similar features or like, you know, various features. I was really different because I was an effeminate kid. I was really not into sports and anything <laughs> like that, you know. I loved drawing. I loved sketching. I loved everything that I ended up becoming, which mm. is a designer and design world in the art world, like makeup, beauty, all of that stuff, right? Mm. And so imagine living and going to an old boy's boarding school where, you know, you're considered a freak, you know, yeah. and you're constantly told you're different, which actually at that time growing up, as difficult as it was to hear that you're different and you don't belong, it really taught me early on about uh, the world. It prepared me for the world because we're in 2020 now, we're talking about, yeah, like in a representation, like, yeah, you know, crazy rich Asians, you know, like, yeah, fine, finally we get to see, but for my goodness, for our majority of our life, like early on, like growing up, there were nobody, we weren't considered beautiful, we weren't no. considered, we weren't represented, no. you know, so, so it's, yeah, it's a very similar thing, like, yeah, you know, yeah. yeah. Same and di different and same, basically, yeah. when it comes down to the root of it all. Yeah, yeah. and right. feeling other. And yeah. what about you? Yeah, so I grew up mostly in Connecticut, and I had a similar experience, I think, to Philip in that in my school and actually in my town, we were the only East Asian family. Oh, wow. So in all of my classes, it was like completely all white mm -hmm. and it always felt like other. Like I feel like in elementary school, it was a little bit different. And I think people didn't really notice yeah. at first or they didn't actually actually talk about yeah. it. And then in middle school, it's where like every, you know, middle school yeah. is like a tough time. Yeah. Tough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's inevitably always. I'm, yeah. I'm sorry. It's, it's like, too. it's not perfect. Yeah, no, yeah, okay. <laughs> it just sounds like you were like really upset by my story. <laughs> I, mean, I, I was, I was. I mean, okay, go yeah. on. Sorry. Go on. But like you end up then as a kid sort of developing this thing of where you feel like the world is not there to protect you. Mm -hmm. And so I think about this all the time now, yeah. especially because I'm a mom now. Yeah. How it's, it is different now, I think, but it's also in their own way, every kid, I think, feels other. Yeah. And how can we actually help to change those things for yeah. them? You, you don't really realize like how it stays with you when you don't yeah. have that support system early on in the formative years. Mm -hmm. You know, for myself, you know, I always grew up as a shy kid. So automatically, you know, I was shy, but creative, but I grew up on, in a, a household that was like, you know, put your head down and just do the work and move forward. You're here not to complain. You're here to make something of yourself. So show us what you're gonna do. And it was also the, the idea that, you know, um, don't bring attention to yourself because you don't wanna be in, get in trouble. You know what I mean? Just head down and steady and steady and steady. And to this day, I'm still paying for that. Oh. It comes out in such different ways. And hence, you know, I'm so happy that we're all sitting here together that we can speak about this in a place that um, doesn't feel shameful. Yeah. But it's also acknowledging that it is a work in progress yeah. and also acknowledging that we must look back now to prevent this from happening to the generation yeah. next yeah. and after that. Yeah. So it's almost like, for me, the buck stops here. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, for you know, sure. Yeah. yeah, I mean, like what you were talking vicious. about is definitely yeah. something that I feel like a lot of people in Asian cultures can relate to. I definitely relate to yeah. that too. Mm -hmm. And it's like that double-edged sword of where, you know, they talk about how with CEOs and other executives, Asians are really not looked at for yeah. those roles. No. And it is because a lot of times the stereotype is that you just put your head down and you do your work yeah. and yeah. you're not going to be a good leader. Oh, for sure. The model minority. Yeah, and yeah. it is. I mean, for me, it was slightly different because it started early on when I was probably even like three or four years old, you know, like, you know, there was something in me, I don't know what it was. And you know, I had a great support system for my mother and my brother and my sister. I'm the youngest in the family. So I was very defiant. Like when those girls, when those boys used to be like, oh, you're a sissy, this and that, you'd call names and push you aside, beat mm. you up. I was always, I would get up and fight back. 
I was just like, you know what, I am not going to be. And then I remember, like, and we used to have uniform that you had to wear. I would wear makeup and go. Okay, mm-hmm. and that would even you know aggravate those guys. You know, they would say stuff to me. I would just like fight back. So I think if you look back at where we are now, both of us, you know, I am I am still that way. I'm like I really. That's what I'm saying. Like in in so many ways, when I go back and when I look at it, I, I'm so grateful for what I went through and to those boys, as painful as it was, it really prepared me for this world. And also one of the reasons, you know, like I realized early on that. I was not going to get anything that I needed or wanted in this world by keeping quiet. I realized that because if if I depended on the people with privilege or like an you know, privilege comes whether it's your skin color, whether it's the class, mm. or your access, your money, all that stuff, I was I was never going to be taken into consideration. So I was like, you know what? I am going to just do what I want to do. Yeah. So so that you know, like when I and one of the reasons again like, when I decided to do fashion in Nepal, I was the first person. Wow. You know, yeah. in back home in Nepal, it was like it was literally it was like when I was coming to America to study fashion, they were like, oh, it's a good hobby, but what do you really want to do? Yeah. And they told my mom. Said, are you crazy? Like, you know, what is he going to say? It's a girl's it, profession, you know. It's, it's incredible. I always joke with him that you're like the prince of Nepal. You every you have a country behind you, so keep going. You yeah, know what no, I mean? it is true. Yeah, it's it's true, true no, it, so can many, I can yeah. I ask you a question about yeah. that? It pertains to kind of growing up. Did do you think it gave you an advantage growing up in Nepal, where people look more like you? The well, you don't know. They no? don't. That's the thing. It's all mixed. And like you, yeah. you know, people, majority of the people in Nepal don't look like me. Mm. You know, so there's Nepal is right situated between India and China, yeah. right? So in the Himalayas and like in the up in the mountains, people look like me, mm-hmm. and then towards the near India, people look like so Indian. Super so, diverse. So for my mom looks more Indian, my father looks more like me, mm-hmm. right? And so, yeah. and you know how they call it like hapas here. Yeah, we yeah. we were called cocktails because it was a, because it was an intercaste marriage. There's a caste system ah. there, so it was an intercaste marriage. So we grew up with that kind of like not really belonging, you nice. know, and yeah. and you know like when you're. Whether you're because of the mixed race or mixed caste, you know, like or or like, let's say, whether you're a woman or LG, part of the yeah. LGBTQ community, you feel this sense of not belonging. Yeah, the minority. Yeah, you know, and then yeah. then the but the beauty of it is what I realized once I realized that when I came to America was I can choose my own family. I can yeah. choose my own family. Yeah. I can choose my own safe space. And that's yeah. what I feel like we've created, you know? Yeah, we, and, and we never had before. No, we yeah. never had. I think we've all talked about this, that mm. like only within the past couple of years, like I never really associated with a lot of Asian people. Yeah. yeah. And so now I think it's awesome because we do have this community mm-hmm. of where we yeah. support each other, we yeah. get together. Yeah. It's, it's great. It's yeah. a kinship. It's yeah. like yeah. A, a deep-rooted kinship. And How do you think it started? I mean, it's just been, I mean, I remember it's just been like, I would say what, maybe less than five years? For sure. I think it's been mm. like two years. Yeah, right. That's I think what I, that we all really, really connected around the time of Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah, I yeah. think so too. And yeah. so it's sort of a funny thing yeah, to like pin it all to that. But, <laughs> but it is true. But it's it's so it funny. It was a moment. Because we all individually had felt that. Yeah. Like we have felt like, and I always used to say, you know, like, I, when I looked at myself in the mirror, I thought I was, damn, I was good looking. That's what I thought, you know? And I said, it's you just are, the, no, no, you no, are. No, it's just the world doesn't uh, somehow, like when you look at the, like let's say magazines and everything that's been celebrated as like, let's say what's hot, what's sexy, what's desirable, yeah. it didn't look like you me. Didn't it didn't see. look like us. So yeah. I was like, and, and that's what I'm, I go back to my, you know, earlier childhood, like when I was in that school, it's like, I had to define my own worth. I was, I realized nobody's going to give me my worth, yeah. you know? So I was like, you know what? 
I am hot. I am sexy. The world just needs to catch up to me. Words hurt, and the lack of words hurt. Yeah. Mm. You know what I mean. We speak about yeah. words thrown at you, but when you also don't receive words of affirmation, yes, you're like, where do I belong? Like you say, you know, you're working out of it still. So when Crazy Rich Asian happened. Prior to that, it was the Joy Luck Club. But every time I get together with an, a fellow Asian and we talk about it, it's like tears run yeah. down. Yeah. And all of us still remember other characters because they're so prevalent in our lives. But it was the Crazy Rich Asian that put us all to get, galvanize us back together. But when you put Gemma Chan on the cover, oh, it yeah. was like, Michelle, it was so powerful in the way that I personally saw like my ideal of beauty. Yeah. My ideal of beauty, not from a surface, but from the source, yeah. from a heroic stance, mm. from the space where, from a place where, you know, I couldn't be where I am without my mother, my uh, aunt, my sister, mm-hmm. you know what That's I mean? Beautiful. My best friends. So it, you know, for me, it resonated more from just like, oh, she's beautiful. No, she is freaking gorgeous and she's gorgeous and, and yeah. that's what and we've had several conversations i mean to your point you know it is like a, you it was such a, a tribute to all the women in our lives mm. you know and um what i really loved about Gemma also the fact that you chose her was um you know she is completely a woman of substance yeah, yeah. you know like her choices that she's done whether yeah. wearing uh, you know things in the red carpet to like things that she speaks up about yeah um so it was really i mean it is courageous so like i really hand it over to mm. you like you know yeah. for you to be able to do that but it goes back to the conversation about seat at the table right yeah like you had the seat at the table so you decided to make that decision pull out a chair yeah, yeah. No, you, exactly but not many people yeah you know. but i will say too it all builds on each other because i actually had Gemma on the podcast mm. and she she talked about how when she saw the pictures of the screening that we all yeah. did for Crazy Rich Asians, she was so touched by that. Yeah. So it's sort of like it is this awesome thing of where not even just with like Asian representation, but like with any kind of representation, yeah. it all builds on itself. Yeah, yes. I mean, like the recent cover of like in you know, Billy Porter, a lot of congratulations Thank on that. You. To me, like it, I mean, I was so emotional, like, and I was um, at home, like, you know, going through it. And I was talking to my mom who lives uh, in, in my building. And, and I was like, you know, this is what I used to do, wear makeup and this and that. And I was considered like the crazy one you know and then look at this this is the world we're living in yeah. it is so amazing Beautiful. and that's the power of you know representation visually yeah you yeah know? well i feel like we all sort of like operate in that space too of mm-hmm. where you know allure is such a huge like big mainstream title that what we put on the cover has like a big meaning when it comes Absolutely. to culture and everything else but i feel like the same way of what you both yeah. do that mm. if you do a campaign if you do a runway show mm. like you can make an actual cultural statement mm-hmm. with those For sure. things mm-hmm. which i wasn't aware of let me just put it this when i started the in this industry like and i worked at bell blast and everything or even when i launched my company i wasn't aware that i had the power or the decision to make a call like i remember there was this one season i put uh, g high i think that's, that's the name like the model yeah. like you know to open the collection it was the biggest controversy in the office you know and everyone like from the you know everyone involved in the thing like are you sure yeah. are you sure because it wasn't done at the time no. and in the beginning also you know because you're taught i mean it was a different era i would say right yeah. you know, 10 years ago and you were taught taught to um how would say play by the rule book that is set to like for a new designer mm-hmm. you do this you do this you do this right and all of it now i look back was so set by Black, I mean, I don't want to sound like in, in, in wrong way, like it was said by uh, white people. 
It was really the in terms yeah. of taste, in terms of direction, in terms of what needs to be done, how it needs to be done. And I followed that. And yeah. I followed that. And I looked back at it and I was like, it took me, I would say, three, four years to get to a place. You know what? Actually, it's not working for me. Like, I don't feel fulfilled. Yeah. I don't feel like I'm using my platform and everything. And no matter how much in insiders of like, you know, with designers will be like, oh my God, it's another fashion week. Oh my God, it's a run show. Like all this stuff. But it is so powerful. It's, it's, it's so powerful, powerful. right? And like, so I didn't realize that we, I had that power well, to change, you know? Yeah. Well, I think that, you know, you think about it, all of us came from, we didn't know each other. And, you know, when we came up, I came onto the scene, everyone, I had the most racist, like, interview questions ever. I mean, oh it was what, like, what was it? how does it feel to be Chinese? You'd make oh Chinese fashion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is it, oh my God, do you yeah. love red? Is it dragons and motifs? And yeah. this is like 2009, eight, yeah. you know what I mean? And I think what you're saying, Prabhu, we all found our way to this space for the love of what we did. We had the courage to follow our path. But following your path, you also knew that, oh my God, this is such a privilege. I better not blow it. Mm -hmm. So I better follow rules. And yeah. it's not no, until you get to find your own space and your place that you're like, you know what? Actually, this is my life and my company. And these this could be my rules too. And so even like what you said about Jihei, yeah. I opened the show with Tao Okamoto uh -huh. when she came from Paris and she had this amazing bob cut. Oh, yeah, and yeah, I yeah. Um, asked I all the, the hair sponsors, like, you know, I want to use, I want other, other girls to have the same wigs cut after Tao. And that kind of cemented our relationship because uh -huh. she's like, do you know what you're doing for me? Do you know? Because in that time, it was like the Asian model's novelty still. Yeah. The Asian designer's novelty still. Yeah. So the Asian designer had a had a, a platform where we had eight minutes of silence. Yeah. We can give an Asian model 30 seconds of silence. Yeah. And therefore, everyone after that looking like her. You know yeah. what I mean? And I don't, I don't even realize I was doing that early on because it was more about like trying to fit in, find my way, head down, build a business. I look back and I barely remember the moments because I was so worried about responsibility, mm -hmm. business, healthcare, you know, getting everyone you, paid. You know, you, like the good responsible um, son that I was brought up. You know, I remember that. I don't know if you, I mean, I'm sure you remember if I mentioned this to you on style.com. Remember style.com? There was this article that Dirk, uh, I don't know what his name was, had done yeah. with you. And it said, uh, the quiet American. Do you remember that? About me? Yeah. There yeah. Was a, this yeah. Was a, and for it me, was... I remember, I think I was still at Bill Blast when it was uh, there. And then I remember reading that thinking like, you know, it was so powerful for me to read that and to see that because what often gets celebrated in fashion, I mean, things have changed now, you know, yeah. during that time is if you're out there flamboyant, like a lot like me, like, you know what, you know what I mean? It's like, you know, you, yeah. when you are like doing this with hanging out with models, this and that, like the quiet ones are often the ones that are like, you know, cast aside. And I, and I was like, no, like, you know, and when I, I remember that and I remember vividly right. the, the page, the thing, the, your picture, I like, you know, you were not now, looking. And, 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 and so I, it yeah. was, it was really powerful for me then because it gave me, we are really different, right? Yeah. It put the seed in my head saying, I can, you know, be on myself. I can be myself. I can chart my own thing and be fine with it. And that uh, really, truly, you. you know, it was really powerful at the time. Yeah. yeah. And you're right. I was always labeled the hardworking one, the quiet one, the reliable one. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, you know? remember in your early yeah. years feeling a kinship with other Asian designers? No. No. 
I came a slightly later in the the Asian designer uh, way, right? And I remember thinking it is very easy for people in privilege. Again, you know, you, you know what I'm trying to say here. You know, it's easy for them to put uh, people from the minority group in a in a lump. You know, just being like, so it's easy for them to understand. Like, you know, okay, these are Asian group uh, designers. These are black designers. These are this. That, and and it, it's easy for them to understand. Mm -hmm. Not understanding the nuances that is involved in that we all are not alike. Yeah. We, we all don't operate in the same we way. We represent different countries. Yeah. Different so countries. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but but for the, the Western world, the, uh, the European world, I always feel like it's easier for them if they can just lump it up. Yeah. And so they don't have to deal with it. Yeah. And that's what it was, you know. And so... For me, when, when I launched my company and everything, I looked up to all of them. But I realized, I remember it was uh, one of the Vogue Fashion Fund dinners. And, and I, I was basically uh, like a starstruck by all the designers, like literally him, like even Peter Som and Richard and all of them. I was just, oh, my God, like I've seen them, you know, like I'm now I belong here. I'm, I'm actually I'm allowed to be here. And I remember like they were you all were really nice. There were a few of them were like so Bleed into this narrative that was set by the the you know the privileged the folks that the establishment that the designers are not supposed to get along. There were yeah. camps, you know. They, and I so I remember feeling like so torn because I wanted to reach out and be like, and listen, I don't know this. I wanted to reach yeah. out, and, and it never you know it and never it was, became that. What you speak about, probably it's so true because again you're pitted against each other yeah. um, from a space of scarcity, mm -hmm. from a space where it's almost like you are put into an arena and everyone's telling you you're so lucky yeah. you're so lucky and that's all you're left with but then there's no community yeah. you belong to a community but it's quite a divided and yeah. a, in, uh, isolated community so i and talk about it like we're racehorses yeah and you, you know racehorses you're put into uh, separated stables you don't Mingo, yeah. and it's yeah. it's very lonely and it's also i look back and it was like that you know every all the questions is like you guys all are here at the same time did you guys plan this yeah like <laughs> literally michelle probably i kid you not these kind of questions i'm like no fool you know what i mean <laughs> like yeah, we no, look yeah, around. Actually, we're all over the place. You're yeah. just a little bit late to the game here. You should have just sent the Asian dragon sent us a message. <laughs> you know, like, you know what I mean? And that's what it did. They would be like, "Oh, totally get it." And it came with like a steaming dumplings yes. and hot and sour yes. soup. You know, yes. they you probably know. believe that. I'm the grandson of exactly. the Bruce Lee. Yeah, and exactly. I mean, listen, Bruce Lee's hot. Okay, yeah. let's yeah, just put yeah. it this way. So even when you were just talking before about Nepal and yeah. like how people look so different, it's like it's something that I think the broader audience doesn't really know yeah. like we had a conversation in, in my office about colorism within mm. certain communities mm -hmm. like colorism within oh, the asian community and people were like i've never actually heard that before oh like God. it's fascinating listen i grew up in a country like in nepal and india where there were creams called fair and lovely which pretty much say you it was like a bleaching cream but you wear it over the period of time and it's basically the advertisements used, used to be like this girl was darker skin and she wasn't getting any guys and then finally she uses this and she ends up getting married that kind of you know, oh, narrative yeah. and Procreate. it still is it still is it still is a thing conversation and one of the things also like you know what i'm extremely aware of it is because i probably live there also like uh, when we are celebrating asians we want to make sure that the the brown asians are mm -hmm. also part of our celebration part of our movement yeah. Yeah. We, you know but people forget about that you know and they forget to even brown asians or even asians like we sometimes we're, we're so quiet where people forget that we're part of poc yeah and exactly literally it it's like true. another thing it's yeah. almost like a neutral thing yeah. yeah i've had people in the past say to me 
so are you white? Because you're not black. <laughs> no. And like, there's just no understanding. No, 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 no. For sure. I mean, like, I mean, yeah, I think. Because you like lack a certain, like you're neutral almost, yeah. you know, yeah. but within the Asian community, there is that kind of, the colorism yeah. Yeah. from light to darker. You yeah, know? Philip, sure. you just said pearl cream before, which like totally brought me back. <laughs> it was actually when I think about like the first time that I saw, I think an Asian person, besides Bruce Lee, yeah. like on screen, it was the pearl cream pearl lady. Cream. Yeah. Yeah. Do you both remember the first I guess, sign of representation that you noticed in like mainstream media or TV or movies? Lucy Liu. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? And, um, and, and you know, it was also, no, I, I, I mean, maybe I'm wrong to say yeah. this, but in a mainstream, if you're talking about mainstream Hollywood, it was Crazy Rich Asians. Yeah. Because or Joy Luck Club. Joy Luck. Yeah. But, but Joy, here's yeah. the thing, the Joy Luck Club also, it always became about uh, the community. It almost like, let's say like a niche, you know, whereas Crazy Rich Asians, it was... A narrative, a storyline that would probably be have like the usual suspects, like let's say Julia Roberts, Cameron Diaz is of the world, right? You know, Drew Barrymore is of the world. Instead, it was all Asian ca- cast, you yeah. know, like like kind of it was uh, being as bougie as they can, you know, and, you, you know, and, and so yeah. so that to me, and and you know, I was like. This was a conversation I was having with my nephew, and and I was like, you know, like, I like the movie. Like I said, it's not going to win an Oscar, but like you know, like but I really liked the movie, and and he was like. It doesn't need to win an Oscar. Have we realized how many mediocre and bad films starring white folks have we watched all our lives? We are allowed to make as many mistakes, even more so. That'll be true representation. That that really shifted the way I thought. Because I think, I don't know if you guys do this, but when it comes to uh, the minority group, and I'm just not talking about Asians, even the African-American community, like any community, I'm always like, we got to be the best. We got to do the best. We got to, I'm like, I, after that conversation with my nephew, who's like 19 years old, I started to relax. And I was like, actually, the very fact that you can exist and show up in your space and affect even one person, yeah. that is good enough. Yeah. yeah, I didn't understand that concept. Yeah. You know? yeah. Do you feel like there's permanent change now? Permanent? I yeah. don't think so. I don't think so. I don't, <laughs> I don't think, think you, it, Like, what is it going to require? People like you in a decision-making table. Yeah. You know, when I hear out Aya... When I hear about Hanya, when I hear about you, when I hear about Radhika Jones, it makes me so happy. It goes back to the same conversation earlier, like when you're talking about designers and everything. When I hear about Philip, like, let's say, doing something or when I hear about Jason, you know, signing the fragrance deal and everything. I am not even kidding. I am always like, I hope it becomes the biggest success, because if that is massive success, these money people would want to replicate that. And the next in line is me. You know, that's what I always look at it that way, you know. It's true. It's so, you, you, yeah. you can't take that for granted, the idea of permanence, because, you know, even after Crazy Rich Asians, you know, I'm like, great, you know, this film and this and that, and it's we're going to start to see this more regularly. And, you know, um, right now I'm trying to work on a film about representation mm-hmm. and starring uh, two Asian American immigrant teens. But the storyline is a bit difficult because it's not um, celebratory in that way. Mm-hmm. But even like, you know, we're, we're seeking funding and whatnot. And it's crazy because I'm like, am I living in an alternative reality? Because the questions and the doubts go back to pre-Crazy Rich Asians uh-huh. behind the scenes. Because, you know, they see it as entertainment now. And it's like, um, it's an economic value. Yeah. But still not seen as human value. Yeah, for sure. You know, so what you say about like, do you think it's here to stay? I don't think so. You just fight, you fight. You have to. Every opportunity you can, you show up, you speak up, you pull the chair out for each other. There's no such thing as a guaranteed free lunch right now um, for 
people of color, uh, uh, just minority groups, for, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, we're feeling the quota right now for the big, bigger companies, yep. for them to look diverse. You know, we're feeling the quota. We, that's what we're playing right into their uh, storyline and narrative. If you look at it, the recent thing, the very fact that a Golden Globe winner like Aquafina is not even nominated for the BAFTAs, if that is not racism, I don't know what is. She was phenomenal, as phenomenal, if not more than majority of actresses that have been nominated. You know, so for me, it's really, I mean, you know, you can't just Instagram and tweet about everything. But like, you know, I read it and I was like, you know, the fight is... It hasn't even started. Yeah. The journey hasn't even started. It happens blatantly that she won the Golden Globes yeah. for the Best Actress and she is not nominated. Who are we? I know it is a little bit of my fear that like as much as Crazy Rich Asians made this huge impact, there could be one other thing. Like maybe there's Crazy Rich Asians too. And I'm sure it's going to do well, but like let's say it does poorly. Yeah. Is that then the signal to Hollywood? Yeah. It's over. Yeah. Oh, well. You know what I mean? Yeah. But it's up to us, like what Prabhu saying, you know what I mean? The ones at the table to make sure yeah. that it doesn't reverse that way. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, if you think about it, like, I mean, I I think it was like your um, Instagram, like, you know, which I love following his, like, it, it always, like, whenever I'm in a doubtful space and I, I reach out to him or I read his Insta stories and everything, I think it was Hassan Minaj, like, who, who talked about uh, Asians are the next big community, like, yeah, you know, who are voting. voting, you know, so that's what it is. I think no longer is it okay to be, I think, uh, just quiet. Not everyone needs to fight, but everyone needs to show up. Yeah. Well, it's funny because yeah. when you were talking about that, that's been your personality for your whole yeah. life. I think that Philip, like I also, I was, I'm just by nature, I'm a shy person. Mm -hmm. I'm a more quiet person, mm -hmm. but I feel like we all kind of have gotten to a similar place yeah. in, in a different way. Yeah, for right? sure. Because like, I do feel like because I, when I was younger, I didn't really speak up against like racist bullies. Mm -hmm. I now feel this like really strong urge anytime yeah. anything happens. Sure. Like I've said this in panels before that I feel like I'm like the Asian Avenger. And like, <laughs> it's hard because it goes, it can go too far sometimes where yeah. it's like you end up tearing away a part of yourself. It consumes you. It consumes you. Exactly. Yeah. And I do, I love following both of you yeah. on Instagram. But it's like having some of the positivity to yeah. you yeah. is also just it it's is a good important, balance. You know, and, and I think there's a fine line of demarcation between, you know, getting caring and getting letting it get to you, yeah. right? It is, that's a very important thing to figure out. Mm -hmm. But I always feel like it is important, you know, like the trope of like, you know, angry black woman or like, you know, uh, all this stuff that, you know, that, that's going to start th being thrown at us also. Yeah. I always feel like, do you realize, you know, not being angry is a privilege of a, people in luxury, you know, people with access and means. You know, being angry, it, I mean, when they say, like, you know, let's not be angry. I always feel like, you have every means in your world to be not angry. <laughs> it's a luxury. What, what, yeah, what about, what about the person who's like, you know, whose paycheck is, you know, spent on, like, paying the insurance bills? Like, what about that? That person is angry, you know? So I always feel like this is what it is. I don't look at anger necessarily as a bad thing. I always say, is anger is moving towards the place of a resolution and solution yes. and, and a conversation. Yeah, exactly. You know? Or is it just anger just to be angry? Yeah. Like, that's not... That's yeah, not because productive. I remember, no. we were like, you know, we were, like, having this political conversation and we were talking about a particular candidate and they're like, oh, he's so angry. And I'm, I turn around and I said... And it was like a table. It was just me or one person of color in a big table filled with, like, all, all white folks. And I said... Obviously, you guys will think, you know, you're, um, you know, he's angry because you guys have nothing to worry about. It doesn't affect you at all. It affects your 
conversation. It affects because, you know, we are here asking for change and the minorities are claiming for change. That's why it's, um, you know, you have to pay attention. That is uncomfortable, but your life hasn't changed. So it's easy for you to say, don't yeah. be angry. Yeah. At the same time, you can't stay silent. Yeah. You know, how do you balance the two? And it's always a work in progress yeah. Yeah. because we make mistakes too. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. I mean, I agree with that. Like, you know, and I, I always feel like, you know, you need to be caring. You need to be speaking up. If things that you feel strongly yeah. about, you know, there's no need for hate, you know. However, I always go back to this. It's like, you know, everyone's made differently. So like, and we are able to be like, you know, be, okay, take a moment. And before we react, you know, we, we, we're like that. Yeah. But for a lot of people, what I've read, it's been decades, centuries of being cast aside they finally have a voice you know and, and i think right now what sure. we're so i'm what i'm trying to say is like you know i don't want to within my group of friends within our group of friends if somebody's like you know speaking out like let's say with such hate and vitriol i'll say like, hey like, let's choose the words carefully and all that stuff however i do understand because there's so much pain being a minority it's you know we're just not talking about it because it's a trending topic we all know what, what it feels like. We all know, you know, we can be have a normal day for a month, you know, the 31st day of the month, something happens, you're walking there, there could be a, a kid walking by who says something to you, right? It brings you right back to where you were, you know? Mm. There's so much unhealing, you know? Mm. So right now, I feel like it's a, we're in living in an era of people lashing out and, you know, I, I feel like, okay, just like take it all out, everything, you know, and then, Let's come back. Yeah. Let's come back. And why, when we're coming back, let's have a different kind of conversation. Yeah. I, I see that change happening, though, yeah. in my nephew's generation. Fantastic. Fantastic. Like, amazing. I was, I was just going to yeah. uh, speak about that. And it's really like there should be that space for that. But we also have to realize how we play a part in yeah. the next generation. Yeah, for too. sure. Yeah. You are the example. Yeah. Yeah. Literally, if you don't think you're the example, someone's watching. Yeah, for sure. You know sure. what I mean? And like, uh, we're fortunate enough to have platforms and this really changed my view on like, you know, what you're asking too. Am I cautious or afraid because mm -hmm. we, I represent a brand? It's not just a, a man. You know, I, I definitely am. But at the same time, yeah. I have to think long and hard and thank God I have friends that are yeah. supportive and level-headed and I have diverse friends that I can like seek different opinions on. But at the end of the day, you've got to be true to your own point of view yeah. and share it in the way that is contributing and more of a dialogue mm -hmm. versus a command, yeah. you know? Yeah. I remember going back to that question about you know, whether it affects your brand or business and everything. You, you do worry about it because you're not the only person driving it. There's yeah. a whole team behind you and everything. But I remember when I did that, you know, right after the election and everything, when I put out the t-shirts and everything, it was something that, like, and everyone in my company was against it. But I felt like, I look back at everything that I've done, I can stand by each and everything that I've done being like, and it was not, it didn't come from a place of hate. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It came from a place of wanting to start a conversation, wanting yeah. to start, a, it's like, I felt a collective sense of loss within the industry and all of us, the world. Sure. And I wanted to, it was like, let's heal each other. Yeah. Because I, I always have this conversation with him and with everyone. I was like, our job as creative people, whether designers, whether, you know, editor-in-chief of a magazine or like, in the fashion world, our job is truly, we are healers. We're storytellers. Yeah. Our job is to heal by representation, pe showing people, telling beautiful story, whether it's an escape. We are, that is a truly our mission. That yeah. is truly our job. And I'm always driven by this one fact also is, you know, we all have platform and success. It's not for us. 
I always look at it. It's not for us because it is given to us. Success is given to us, I feel, by the universe to really test our characters. What are we going to do with it? Are we going to keep on building a yacht and buildings and buying apartments? Or are you really going to affect a community? Are you really going to make a change for a person who has no access? One person, that's all it takes, right? So I feel, I remember before the current uh, president, you know, I used to go to fashion dinners and everything. I'm not kidding you. I used to be exasperated at the conversation that we used to, I would sit at the dinner table and I'd be like, my God, am I... This is, is this my life? I love fashion. I love creating. Like, and I, you know, I think our biggest, I would say, the exciting thing is creating, right? And and we go to these dinners and it's part of our job and you're told to go and you sit down and it's like, it is mind-numbing. And that's why you start drinking. You know, you're like, all right, okay, let me just get, get a drink. I'll be fine. Then it changed. My goodness. Now you go to fashion dinners and everything. The conversation is so exciting. I am like... Like, you know, the good, the silver lining out of this, you know, whatever, out of uh, you know, this administration that came through was like, we all became t- so Closer. close. Yeah. Like galvanized. Close. Yes, the sure. representation happened. Crazy yeah. rich Asians happened. We felt like we needed to be there together, yeah. you yeah. know. And there's more There's more depth to things. Yeah. yeah. I think the great thing about right now, too, is that consumers, like the general audience, wants to associate with brands that have something behind yeah. them, too. Mm. That there is that substance and it stands for something. Design companies and designers that are led by minorities, you know, I know that intentions are very clear. Oftentimes when I look at companies, brands and establishments that is using us and to make themselves look diverse, you know, that is another thing that we need to be very aware of, that we don't fall into that, um, their narrative to make themselves look woke. The next generation has the, the galvanizing conversation of the real hot topics. Our generation is really dismantling the establishment. Yeah. That is our job. Is it that we need to get in however we can yeah. and then open the door for everybody yeah, else yeah. too? And also like also having a real conversation at the head of the head of the table, like being yeah. like, you know what, questioning them, challenging them. No, actually, this is not good enough. Yeah. You know, this is not, this is how I feel. And, you know, risking, you know, like I've gotten so many, not so many, like in a couple of emails from, and like people who've said, oh, you're, you're just a effing designers, you, you know, like just yes. do, keep, keep on doing your thing. Yeah, just shut up and make yeah, a dress. Yeah, that's what it, and I said, <laughs> and I, and my theory is as simple as that. I make clothes for women. I'm in business because of women. When their rights and when the minority rights are being questioned by the gov- this current government and administration, I cannot keep quiet about it. It's as simple as that. Yeah. We, I'm profiting out of them and just to be keeping quiet about it, you know. And at, at the end of the day, we all have to go. That's the impermanence is the absolute truth about our lives. We have to go. What are we going to leave behind? Yeah, yeah it's true. And going back to what you're saying, Michelle, about like getting in there, in business, it's not always the perfect answer or the perfect opportunity but you have to afford yourself like a right to continue right and mm-hmm. when we do collaborations you know like talk about like um working with bigger entities are uh, you talking about fila oh my god can we talk about sorry sorry, sorry no talk. just that, just that, that show was like literally laura from you know from uh, laura came from oscar and we were like is that a massive show? We were like, so like, oh my God, how come we were not? It was in China, yeah, right? Yeah, basically what I'm saying, it's like when we're able to like work with Target, work with uh, Fila yeah. or whatnot, I know that, you know, I have to approach it in a way that it's a bit more like, I can't, I have to try to see from their point of view too. But what I can do is when I get in there, I can bring in the tribe. Yeah. You know, yeah, I can sure. like, I can have Tao Okamoto standing in the campaign. I can have um, all the Fila cast Asian 
Don't play into the mono, mono minority. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes we overlook because it's like a rush, 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 yeah. rush. And it's like such very few and far that we have these opportunities to, you know, get on the backs of a larger platform. And mm. when you do, going back to, you know, you putting people of color and minorities on the cover, yeah. somewhere out there, a young boy, a young girl, or old boy, old girl, whatever, you know what I mean? They're well, like- young, young boys like me. Yeah, gonna... <laughs> I, I, the power is when they start to see it more yeah. frequently. And yeah. it's not once in a uh, lunar moon or something like yeah. that, you know what I mean? It needs to be in the point where this is just what it is. Yeah. It's yeah. not a novelty experience. Yeah, and, well, I feel um, like we're constantly all learning from one another. Too. Yeah. Yeah. One of my turning points while I've been here is that we did a shoot like long before Crazy Rich Asians where it was a monolid makeup shoot and uh -huh. we hired an entirely oh, all really? Asian crew for it. The impact, like normally you just read the people's names yeah. or something, right? Like who mm. the photographer was, makeup artist, whatever. We mentioned it in an Instagram caption. People went so crazy for yeah. it. First of all, you don't really see within mainstream media a monolid yeah. makeup well, listen, shoot. Listen, let me yeah. do it. I can do uh, Yes, 100%. <laughs> and growing like, up, growing up, you know, when you're constantly told, do you want a surgery? Like, yeah, you know, there's surgeries. To like, like you know, do, do you know what I'm, that, I mean? I was away. like told constantly. I was just like, and, uh, you know, you'd look better if you had this. And I, I looked into it. I really like looked into it. Like, and I, but you don't. You no, have, no, no, yeah, no. I mean, like, I've, I've got better now. Uh, you don't know what he looks like. He has double lids. No, no, no. <laughs> but no, no, no. If you look at, if you look at my, like, you know, uh, when I was a kid, like growing up, I was like a really chubby, like, you know, like really cute kid, you know, but like, and, and I remember thinking people used to say that. So those are the, the features like, you know, like, uh, you know, you have a flat nose, you have this, you have that, like, you know, another thing was like, oh, you have a moon face and a flat face, you know, like, and I'm like, uh, that's fine. you know. <laughs> but, but it is true telling of what is trendy or trends in surgery. There's no surgery of like, let's get rid of your double lids. Yeah. <laughs> let's like expand your face. Can I, can I just tell you, so we, so this is something that we need to address is I feel like I always try to like and analyze on my own. Like I'm saying, why is this happening? The idea, the narrative of beauty the narrative, what's chic, what, which color is chic, what it, all this is, has been for the centuries Eurocentric. Yes. It's been led by that, you know, so that's where we need to, so why do people still think like, you know, the certain features, you know, like the symmetry, like that, that, that all they talk about. And I'm like, it is a narrative that has been fed to us. That has been completely fed to us. It is not a narrative that is true. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's been interesting, too, just to see, like, on a global level, how, like, the spending power of China mm -hmm. and yeah. just everything happening in Korea, I feel like, is also sort of affecting business yeah. here, too, yeah. now, where there is a bit more of an eye out there of, like, yeah. oh, we need to appeal to that consumer. Yeah. Did you but see even, the cover of the Vogue, Chi uh, Vogue China with uh, the Valentino cover with all the Asian models? Yeah. I, I'm not here, and I was in tears. I was just like, damn, I wish I was a girl and looked that pretty. Yeah. <laughs> it was but, so beautiful, yeah, you know? Beautiful. You did it's beautiful. <laughs> Thanks. But growing up here, you know what I mean? It's like you grow up in conflict. You literally grow up in conflict. And it, I grew up watching MTV. It was uh, the beginning of MTV. So it was all like music videos, European bands. And it was yeah. beauty for me was not features at that moment. Uh, it was about building character uh -huh. because it wasn't necessarily like the musicians were physically beautiful. Mm -hmm. They just were freaking cool, cool yeah. as yeah. F. You yeah. know what I mean? Do you remember, like, was there a person when you were younger who was just the epitome of beauty to you? 
It was like Duran Duran. It was oh my like god, Depeche yes. Mode. It was I like, just oh watched like a documentary about Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah. Nick Rhodes. Yeah, it, yeah, no, it, it was, was like that because it was like it was, was that his name? Nick yeah. Rhodes, right? Yeah, the it was like name. fashion. This that Boy it was George. like so, um, Boy George. It was like music. It was entertainment. It oh wasn't like such physical beauty. It was character. Yeah. And I remember what changed for me, like growing up, was when looking at Asian as being very beautiful and like hot mm-hmm. it was like Wong Kar Wai films oh my god yes Maggie yeah. Chung and then what's his name Maggie Chung yeah, yeah. um, uh, what is the uh, actor's and, name uh, Tony Leung yeah, oh my it was god. like happy together <sighs> oh, that yes. literally that film I remember um, I watched it pre-moving to New York and I took a, a trip with 15 friends back home and then it was about happy together it, it was about like uh, this chef and unrequited uh-huh. love and hustler and this and that and i came back from that trip and i moved to you know i'm like i'm gonna date an asian cook <laughs> because oh, of that film it's, 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 that, that because well, of yeah. that film because i was like wow when did you know it's so true and it's guess so what central. i did you dated an asian yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it was so sensual it was like so beautiful that but, film yeah but yeah but the power of media and For the power sure. of like storytelling and films and and I don't even think you like necessarily need to recognize it right away. No, because when no, you saw no. it, you probably were not yeah. like, "I see myself represented." No, 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 no. Like over the years, you yeah. sort of. But it, the up. thing is, it was available. Yeah, yeah. It was and that was the, the the key moment. It was available. Mm. So if things are not available. Sometimes it doesn't trigger. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Know? I mean, I remember, like, you know, coming to to America under twenty years ago, right? You know, and and I remember, of course, I was aware of my race, but I was blatantly made aware of my race when I came to America. You know, like, there's no two ways about it. I remember going to Wonder Bar. Do you remember that? I think mm-hmm. it was, a, yeah, yeah. And my friends and they would be like, you know, you're cute for an Asian. That were the terms that I you'd get, you know. Like normally, I'm not into Asians, but you know, like you're. And I, I was like, and normally, I'm not into douchebags. That's what I, my, my my. I was always that way. Yeah, like you I've know, gotten that too. And, you're and, pretty and, for an Asian girl. Yeah, and, 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 yeah. And then my friends used to be like, "Can you just come?" And I said, "No." Like you know, I said, "Excuse me." Like it was like always yeah. that, you know. But it's happened like to this day too. Like um, it's those microaggressions, the, you know. That's what it is. The, the microaggressions and also just ignorance or just the lack of. Uh, being normal like uh it's not normal or it's still novelty like for example um this past cfda awards held at the brooklyn museum my date was rupee kaur you know what i mean i love her and so you know she's indian canadian indian i'm chinese oh, I american love yeah, yeah. Core. Like, I and love so her. you know it's like the style is just like just kind of chic and yeah. downplayed and stuff like that and i remember walking into the entrance before the red carpet, I mean, the red carpet, step and repeat and stuff again. That's what you just do. You know, I've been doing this for 15 years of going to this awards thing. And then there was this uh, usher in the front there. He He's like, hi. And I'm like, hi. And he's like, oh, you can go this way. I'm like, the carpet's that way. And he's like, oh, but you can go this way. Oh, really? This is last year. And, oh, um, my and, God. And I was like, I was like embarrassed a little bit because I'm like with Ruby and I'm like, okay, don't worry. I'm like, you know, sir, my name is Philip Lim. And he's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Go this way. Oh my you know God. what I mean? And oh this God. is... But wait, wait, this isn't fashion. That's his job to know. I mean, I know it sounds like I'm, really obnoxious to say this, but this is a job to know. His go, job is to know you. I know, but this goes back to we cannot take it for granted. I'm on my turf. It's my industry. My Lord. And I'm invited to a gala that I'm part of an organization. I'm one of the 
You've um, won the awards. I've won three times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I won all of the categories. No big deal. No, <laughs> no damn. but at the end of the day, it goes back to we can't take it for granted. And the micro-racism, the, uh, the ignorance, the lack of awareness, yeah. it exists like every single day. It is. Yeah. I, be, I you know always I mean? say it's the privilege of the people with luxury mm. to be, I also, it's a privilege of ignorance and stupidity. Like, you know, they, for them to like, they don't want to know because how many times have you sat down and said, do you think this is racist? I said, why don't you do it, figure out yourself? Yeah. Why is it that my job to constantly teach you what is racist and what is not? What is this and that? I will have a first time conversation. I'll have a second time, third time maybe. Yeah. After that, you're on your own. Or people of, who are not people of color chiming in and saying, that's not racist. That's not offensive. Oh my God. That is, <laughs> so I always say, this is, there are two things that I say. Stay you know, close to here. You know, so He's two, getting excited, you know, folks. You know, there, are two <laughs> things, there are two things that I always say. It's like, you know, as a non-minority you can't say stuff like that and as a man my job is right now to listen especially to women you know that's what it is whether you're gay or straight whatever it is so i think there needs to be a shift you know even though i'm a, a man a gay man a minority and all that stuff is there it is when it comes to women's issues my job is to learn mm -hmm. as much as that and and it is the same thing it goes to straight white male and a lot of other people you know privileged to be like oh no that's not racist i don't want to hear it Okay, so I want to pivot a little bit okay, sure. and because this is a lower podcast. I want yeah. to talk a little bit about beauty. Mm. So obviously within fashion, beauty is a big part of that. Either within the world of representation or just even beyond, like how when you're thinking about either a campaign or a show or anything, how do you think about beauty when mm. it comes to that? I think about what's missing and what I would like to see. Mm -hmm. What I've done over the decades, uh, I work with um, Daniel Pedro and Drew Descent of The Secret Gallery. Our approach was always to give the newcomers a chance. We diligently put on a take on a position that was not the most popular because in today's age of social media, it's all about followers and likes and stuff like that. But when you have these new, young, bright hopefuls, they don't have followers and they don't have likes and they barely like themselves. So it was, it's so important for us, for myself as a mission to give these 43 spots to newcomers to show them what they wow. can look like. I had no idea. Yeah, yeah think about amazing. this. They barely like themselves. Wow. The, we're talking about like teens and early, yeah, sure. early twenties. They're gawky, this and that. And you know, beauty today is not your stereotypical beauty. It's interesting. So interesting means you were bullied. So wow. it's almost like now you come to this space and we're gonna line you up. We're gonna we're gonna treat you like the kings and queens that you are, and we're gonna give you that thirty seconds of just you alone, dead silence, the best of your ability and our ability, and we're gonna put you out there. And for about fifteen years, we've been doing this. So that's really shaped my idea of beauty. And even in the campaigns, you know what I mean? When I shot, I work with Vivian Sassen, who's incredible. And we went to Morocco, Ethiopia, Bhutan. Bhutan, we street cast two local girls. We found them, um, the country of, the kingdom of Bhutan. We found them at a bus stop, nursing students. And we put them in the campaign. That's amazing. Uh, we shot with Vivian Sassen. It was like a, an international campaign. Leah Kabiri to Ethiopia. The idea was to bring her home and show what she is like as a young girl. And it was That's really amazing. like to show beauty wow. that was non-traditional, huh. non-Western ideals. Yeah. It was all over the world. It was like, you know, um, on the go. It was to illustrate what we all have in common. We come from a, the same place, basically. Yeah. It looks different. 
obviously people have different names, people yeah, have um, different sure. colors, but the idea is I want to use my platform to build the tribe that I want to see. Uh-huh. Not to fit it in or fill uh, positions that what it should look like. Yeah. From my point of view, it's really an, always an opportunity. But I will say, like, you know, going back to the values thing, like, you know, for me, Philip has been such a great support. And especially, I would say, the last year, you know, like, in, um, it's been, a, 2019 was a very challenging year for me. Like, I didn't take a break at all till the uh, Christmas and New Year's holiday. And literally, like, you know, we'd go to events together. I think it was one day, like, he, and I was coming back and he was like, can I just tell you something? Your energy, like, you know, he said to me, and said, I'm worried. I'm concerned, you know, and I looked at him and I was like, for the first time, I felt like someone truly saw it because, you know, unless you're in the industry, unless you are truly in it, you don't understand what we go through. Mm-hmm. What oh, no, we, no, no. The, People you know, like, think your jobs are just all glamour. Oh, my God. Like constantly, like because, I'm, you know, like, we play into that thing and I'm especially me, like I mean, I'm a culprit, like I just make it, you know, all, all about that also. But then when he said that and I was like, yeah, this is what's going on, you know, and it was and then it was like, you know, Laura, like and everyone, like, you know, it was just like it became such a. I was going through my personal issues, also professional and all that stuff, the things that we normal people go through, right? And Normal uh, people like yeah, us. Exactly, yeah, exactly. But, you know, somehow you're in this pressure to put up the facade of like being the strong person. Yeah. But I, what I, I always told everyone, but I didn't practice was idea, being able to be vulnerable completely and say, I need help to say, how did you do this? It's a powerful thing. I didn't even realize it. I would preach it I could not practice it yeah. till this one came along. Yeah. It's yeah. like shame, you yeah. know what I mean? And again, we're in an industry where you're race, you're you're like racehorses. Yeah. So of course, it's not like intuitive to like look over to the other stall and like, yeah. yo, what's up? You know what I mean? Well, it's hard because you're a creative, but you're also a business person. Yeah. And yeah. I think the business part of it is not what people always realize. Yeah, no. No, exactly. exactly. No. I mean, you know, for me, like when, when I went to your show, like, and I wish I thought, by the way, it was like amazing, the venue, all that stuff. And, and you know, like it's, you feel... So much joy, like you know, so much joy, like because you know you you love this person. You, he's a he's a great friend to you, and there's everyone there. It's like, and that's how I always thought fashion was, yeah. and that's how I want fashion to be. Yeah. Like you know, literally be there and you know, like celebrate each other's success and not be in, envious of it, and believe in this idea yeah. that if it happened to him, it could happen to me. I always said that ever since I was a kid. Like you know, if I am like that close in, in close proximity to success, it is going to happen to me. Yeah. You know, and then also. So allow a safe space where we are able to come to each other and be like, hey, listen, I need help. It goes back to like if a neighborhood, a community is healthy, everyone who lives yeah, in it is healthy. it is, it is. You know, you yeah. can't have a broken community or in a neighborhood and expect players to be or the, the everyone who dwells in it to be okay. Yeah. Are there things that both of you do, I mean, besides talking to people and asking for help that you do for self-care? I want... Lots and lots of details about skincare. Ah! Like I always say, like being Asian, it's really hard to tell how old anyone is. Like <laughs> yeah, everyone has amazing yeah, skin. Yeah. Obviously, this is audio, but like looking at both of you, your skin is amazing. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I mean, like I, my routine is like, you know, it's pretty much um, once a month or something like that. Like uh, I go to Tracy Martin to get my facial, which I really enjoy. Do you like the red light? Bed. All of it, yeah. all of it, and especially right before the red carpet events, you know, it's like, oh, it's a red carpet, like you know, just con- contouring. Like we're, we're on a um, group chat called Slations, <laughs> and it's really like you know, it's Laura really, Kim, Tina Lu, like, we can never. And it's expose. almost like 
who knows a good uh, a red light person? Who knows like <laughs> and it's like and then um, and then uh, so like so I do that like and my beauty routine is usually like, you know wash my face. I do um, Tina like um, bags Tina Craig's like you beauty like which I love you know so I use that. Then I do like serums and then I do like you know like a, a sunscreen. I, I love all of that. Have stuff. Have you always been into skincare yeah. or was like a there? No, a always point? no no all I would like. When I was growing up, I had a terrible skin because I had like a lot of acne and everything. And then I realized it was a lot, lot related to what I was eating also. Mm. You know, of course, there's a hormonal change and everything. As I started to stay out in the sun, I would start getting sunspots and everything. Then I started seeing this dermatologist, uh, Shari Marchbine, Dr. Shari Marchbine, and she really helped me prepare my skincare routine. Mm. And then a lot of people, oh, just take one step. And I don't need one step. I need 12 steps. And I yeah. love it. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I enjoy it. So Mine's more simple. Uh, <laughs> early on, too, I grew up like a tennis jock. So early on, too, your parents, they were too busy trying to put food on the table they were not telling you about sunblock yeah. uh-huh. you know and I would I would I would be obsessed with tennis I would be out there eight hours a day every single day no protection and it was until I grew up and um, and also driving like living growing up in California you're driving all the time so I started to see like the side of the window my face dropping mm-hmm. because of uh-huh. the sun damage and then oh. I realized uh, when I got into this industry, I'm like, oh, you got to take pictures. I'm like, oh, damn, you got to do that. <laughs> okay, let me, let me. It's always not only from a physical space, it's from you feel a certain way. It makes you feel insecure mm. because, you know, for me, skin is always in no matter what's out. <laughs> you know what I mean? And also skin is the biggest organ of your body. Mm-hmm. And I think that, you know, religiously it's sunblock and... um. I go to Joanna Check. Yeah. Is like the checklist and yeah. I'm obsessed with her because what I love is finally I found someone that we speak about skin science and skin support and not repair. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? And it's so important and it's really like I wear sunblock day and night. <laughs> Even mom like moonlight. Oh, yeah. you know whatever. <laughs> so you use it now. So I use it but I, it's like really simple um it's a gentle cleanser. A toner just to yeah. rebalance. Toner is the key. Toner um, is the key. Vitamin C. Oh. I'm obsessed with Augustina's Batter um, moisturizer. And literally a sunblock that's no less than SPF 30. I would go higher in the summer times. But it's really like consistency. Mm-hmm. And it's also like for me, it's like when I start to start cooking, I change the way my diet was because... I grew up in a household where my mom cooked all fresh meals, like mm. homemade, and it was very lux- like delicious food, but it was home prepared. So you oh. know where everything came from. No. And when I moved to New York, I spent like 13 years takeout. Yeah. Because, you know, you're like bachelor, yeah. you know, on the go, sexy life, and you're like, damn, this ain't sexy anymore. I know. So it's like, how do you get back to se- a sexy place, yeah. you know, sexy skin? So it's really now it's like what you put into your system, what you put in your body is a reflection of yeah, outwardly sure. too. So it's really like I try to cook with a lot of herbs, superfoods. You know, I try to have a balance. I never deny myself of anything. But naturally, when you start to listen to your body and give it the support it needs, it affects all your organs, your skin. And then your skin tells you what it needs too. And you really, it teaches you to be pay attention to it. Right. As like a guy... I'm in fashion and not beauty, but fashion, which is beauty. But even I'm insecure about, okay, what to use and stuff like that too. But so I've found- You can always text me. I will. (laughs) So it's really like, you know, um, 
I found kind of what works for me. Yeah, yeah. it's very simple, yeah. but it's so important that we all find ways to support skin. I'm curious about like you know you're so graceful about how you present yourself and you know you know and I know you are someone who deeply cares about what goes on like based on your tweets and Instagram and all that stuff and you balance it all you know but at the same time I know it's challenging yeah, also yeah. you know and also in a time when you are who you are and you you I we all celebrate you I also know the establishment is not necessarily always 100% open to it how do you navigate that? You know, I'm so curious about that. Even though I have always been shy, right? I have that shy side of myself. I also feel like I'm a risk taker. Yeah. And like I got, I've gotten to this point now of where I'm like, what's the worst that could happen, mm. right? And it's like I think we all, like we were talking about before, as somebody who represents a brand, you obviously are responsible for the success of that brand. Yeah. At the same time, if you're not taking risks and you're not standing for something, yeah. like, what are you doing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You do have to pick a side. Yeah, and as sure. much as, um, so after the election, I wrote my first editor's letter about my fears of racism, mm -hmm. that I felt like things were coming back and everything. And for the most part, like 90% of the emails and stuff that I got were very positive. Mm -hmm. But then you end up getting that 10% that's like, well, now I'm offended. I'm canceling my subscription of and course, blah, blah, yeah. blah. To me, that was such a turning point because I felt like I'm finally taking a stand on something. I didn't think it was inherently political. Mm -hmm. And then I also mm -hmm. just felt like if you are the 10% that believe that, like maybe I'm okay with you yeah. falling yeah. off. Yeah, no, yeah. for sure. For, but, but do you understand uh, you were just doing what you thought was right, human issues, right? Yep. All that stuff. But it became political. And who did it become political for? And that's what we need to you know keep into consideration. Yeah. So as we wrap up, is there anything that either of you want to share with our audience, whether it's, I know probably you just you released your book recently, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes. is there anything, yeah. Yeah. any way that people can follow you? Follow me, like, I mean, like on Instagram, Prabal Guru. Don't follow me on the other one. You know? so what's the other one? No, pro just Prabal Guru. I think, you know, like, yes, I released a book. It was like a 10-year anniversary thing that I, I initially wasn't sure that I wanted to do because I'm not big on nos nostalgia. I'm not at all. I always move forward. I realized I needed not just for myself, for my team, but also for the people back home in Nepal and majority of the people that that's out there, the diaspora, mm. like, you know, who really maybe couldn't afford what I was making, but was uh, believed in the dream. And I wanted to be able to say, this, this can't just be me. Yeah, It has to be continued on. Yeah. You know, yeah. I opened the door. I just want to make sure that you know, everyone com comes through. So it is available everywhere. And Amazon. It's beautiful. Uh, yeah. It's yeah. really beautiful. Thank you. I gave Phil, it away as gifts. No, thank you. I do have a uh, yes, little cookbook. recipe no. book. But, Which um, I loved. As I was saying in the podcast too, it's like I'm trying to develop a, produce a film. Um, and it's really... Um, the story of two teenage Asian immigrants, and it's really the modern day Romeo and Juliet, but told through the narrative of two Asian teen immigrants and still uh, trying to produce that. So if anyone's interested in um, getting involved, contact me. You okay. can <laughs> yeah. DM, slide into my DM at uh, The Real Philip Lim. Yeah, and, I, yeah. <laughs> and how about you? What do I have to promote? <laughs> yeah, what do you have to promote? Well, let's what? say I have a, a new baby to promote yes. very soon. But yeah, we, as you mentioned before, we just released our new cover with Billy Porter. Yeah, I feel beautiful. like for me, it's always just about, you know, sometimes I think with social media, it's fantastic. And I love the fact that people support us there. But it's also, again, we all run businesses. Yeah. So if you do want to support any of us, yeah. definitely buy your clothes, yeah. buy the magazine. Yeah. Yeah. 
it's all really important and not just us. I mean, we're not just saying this in a self-serving way, but like if there are brands that you care about and you want them to survive, you want them to thrive, it's really important to remember that you need to support them. 100%. 100%. The ultimate act of rebellion is existence. Yeah, no, for sure. I hope you enjoyed my chat with fashion designers Prabal Gurung and Philip Lim. Tune in next time for our Features Director Jessica Krull's interview with supermodel and budding beauty mogul Lily Aldridge. Don't forget to subscribe to the Allure Podcast and give us five stars if you liked this conversation. 